Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. Our goal is simple. We want to challenge you to think differently about finance and business. Join us and start the journey today. Welcome back to Critical Thinking Required. You're with Tim Bickmore and my two colleagues, Dan Weiss and Nathaniel Leach. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about, obviously, the crisis and what we're in and the situation and discuss some tactics you can use on a qualitative side to better your situation or to self-reflect. So, you know, we've been talking amongst, amongst the three of us that in situations like this, when crises happen, it's sometimes a really good opportunity to take a step back and self-reflect. Some of the issues, I wouldn't say issues, but some of the problems sometimes we have with clientele is that in good times when things are going really well, it's hard to think about, you know, do I want that second home? Do I change my job? Do I contribute more to my 401k? Do I go on that beach vacation? Do I not? And in this situation where it's really confined people to their homes and it's really brought them down to a level of not being able to do a lot, it makes you really start to think about what really is important. Because that's a question we always want to try to boil down for our clientele is what's truly important? Because if you can really know that, then you can really start preparing yourself, positioning yourself to achieve your goals. I think that also relates to with, you know, discipline and hard work and you know where where things sit and that discipline and hard work may not pay off in the good times but in the bad times it's really where your hard work does pay off so dan i'm i'm going to toss it over to you and i just have you know some questions or i guess really get your thoughts on that kind of perspective from a financial planning standpoint with our clients um what do you usually see with clients do you think this is a good time to self reflect could you give us some examples of that discipline um and how it pays off just kind of run with that if you wouldn't mind I guess it's best to start out with myself as an example. Uh, I think that I'm not alone when uh, when I mention that, hey, my schedule is turned upside down and I find myself multitasking like I've probably really never multitasked before. And yet, strangely enough, I also have, um, I don't know if I would call it downtime. I definitely don't think I'd call it downtime. But in, in the oddness of the schedule, uh, you know, not having to drive into work, not, you know, there are things I'm not having to do. And it's allowing a lot of this reflection that that you're speaking about, Tim, I, I definitely think it's a great time to do that. Um, it's almost like there's more hours to have to attend to, but there's more flexibility in tending to them. And so uh, from a broad picture, it is a great time to sit back and think about what is indeed most important to me. And I think that that's true of everyone else. And I think that's a question that we hear all the time that gets asked because people really either don't, don't think to think about it uh, or they're overwhelmed uh, or they don't have enough time. I mean, there's a lot of, I think, barriers that get in the way of a person figuring out what's really important. And so when you have times of, of, um, of really difficulty um, that come up like this, it really lets you sit back and think to yourself, what is really worth it and what is not? Like for example, there's a lot of people that are not able to go to restaurants. Those restaurants are hurting. For some of those people, maybe they ate out too much. And this is a reflection period where that makes sense to bring it down. A different perspective would be, maybe you're seeing how much you're eating out actually supports other people, like these restaurant owners 
and their and their team members. Um, I I just before getting on this this podcast had my wife cut my hair, so she did a fine job, and I thank her for doing so. But for her sake, I think she's probably sitting back and thinking about the importance of having someone there to cut my hair, so she doesn't have to do it. So it, it definitely is from small things to big things. I think looking back at this situation, people are going to sit back and say, wow, I really saved perhaps a lot of money here um, and I didn't miss something or I couldn't do this and I really missed it. And now that's really telling me that this is extremely important to me. I think that we should allow that to happen because hopefully this is an experience that we don't see to this extent again in our lifetimes. So you don't get a lot of experiences where you kind of have a free pass to say, hey, let's sit back and think about, again, what is important to me. So I hope people try to find that opportunity to kind of think about what they're missing and how much they're actually missing it. I think you also hit on an excellent point within, within that comment, because what we try to um, preach quite a bit to our clientele is talking about the value of the dollar. And I think that the value of the dollar is not always discussed even in you know, elementary, high school, college. And what does that really mean? Because I think a value of the dollar means something different to everyone. So as Dan mentioned, you know, going out to eat and you could think it in a couple different ways, either, wow, I'm actually learning how to cook now and I really enjoy cooking and I actually want to reduce my spending to restaurants and actually cook at home because it brings my family together and I really enjoy it. Um, that all of a sudden is a good utilization of your dollar. That means maybe you can go and spend on groceries that are, you know, from a co-op or Whole Foods or wherever it may be to cook a really nice meal for the family. Or you can have the opposite effect where it's like, you know what? I really, really do enjoy supporting other small businesses. I really enjoy supporting those restaurants and I'm willing to go and partake within their craft so I can support them. And that makes me feel good. And that means I can reduce maybe my grocery bill on the other hand, because I'm just not going to eat at home as much because I just don't really enjoy cooking. I've learned now I don't really like to do it. I remember why I don't like to do it. And so then all of a sudden, if you can start understanding where your value of your dollar is, you can start repositioning yourself and having that value go towards it. And it's going to make you feel good, not just from a monetary standpoint, but also on a qualitative level where it just legitimately makes you feel good. And that's where you can boil down the value of the dollar. And if you can do that, now, I want to say on an item to item basis, but on a very, you know, pretty consistent categorical basis, you're going to start seeing that effect of your money doing well. It's very similar to exercise when all of a sudden you can see results, you start losing weight, you start getting more toned, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I feel really good. And it accelerates the, to continuing to exercise. I think spending money on things that you enjoy and you're doing it deliberately can create the same effect. Um, now we're going to go off a little bit off a tangent. We're going to throw this down to Nathaniel, um, as our portfolio manager, but what I'm curious from you, Nathaniel, Dan didn't quite hit on it, but is kind of discipline and routine on a day-to-day -day basis during the good and how that can help actually during, um, not so good times. So if you want to hit on that, that would be awesome. I really don't have anything more to add than what you just said. It's, it really is. It really does come down to maintaining your process through thick and thin and maintaining discipline by discipline. I mean, especially in my line of work, you have to remain rational. You have to remember that prices like these, when they deviate 
in some cases, very far from a company's underlying value, that it's simply that, it's a deviation. The market is simply saying that we think that this security, this company, is worth X today. And that's just it. It's saying it's worth that today. Doesn't mean that that's what it's gonna be worth tomorrow or one year from now or five years from now. It's simply a mechanism that the markets, that is people, people are what drive markets, is saying that something is worth today. So it, it's very important for me to remain, remain rational in understanding this, that since the markets are made up of people, people, when they become emotional, become irrational. And when they become irrational, prices begin to deviate from value. And this is when we take advantage. Danny, I got another question for you. When you were talking, I was thinking about this. How do you approach um, quote unquote noise uh, during the bad times or a crisis like we're currently in or, and even during the good times when things are rallying really high? Like, is it, do you have a way of going about it? Does it actually affect you? I mean, do you recognize it? Like, how does that, what is your overall thoughts on, on noise in the market when it comes to your discipline and your approach? Define noise. So noise could be, um, you know, constant headlines coming through that, you know, we're in, you know, we're going into recession, potentially depression. If you have the V economy, you have a U economy come back. Um, just the overall, like for on, on, the, on the crisis side, right? So all this negative news. And then on the good side, when, you know, like last year, when the market's rallying 30% and everything looks like it's, you know, gold and, you know, it's fantastic and prices are overvalued and not have trying to chase that kind of performance like how do you handle that type of noise i don't pay attention to the headlines that come through on a daily basis i care only about the headlines that that uh, affect the companies that we're invested in i care only about the news that affects the industries that the companies we're invested in, how, how they operate, how they, they are positioned within that industry. And that's it. And, and one could say that, well, why would, you do, why would you not pay attention to the headlines? Because, for example, right now, the markets could fall another 20% or they could go up another 20%. You, there's no way of, of knowing that. But let's say markets go down another 20%. Okay, so what? If they go down 20% tomorrow, and then let's say they last that way for the next year, number one, what I care about is if that drop has also filtered through to the holdings that we own. And then number two I care about is, okay, should I be buying more of those securities? If they're at an even greater discount to their intrinsic values. And then three, what I also care about, or I should say what I don't care about, is that one year's worth or two or three, even, even three years worth of, of decreased prices for any of the securities we own is not material to me because 
we're not investing for three years. We're not investing for five years. We're investing for 10 or more years. We're investing for generations in some cases, if we can, because the first one or three years in, in a discounted cash flow calculation are immaterial to a company's intrinsic value in that if they are low in the first three years, if, if a company's earnings are low in the first three years, it matters very little to a company's underlying intrinsic value in such a calculation. So yes, there will be swings up and down for the companies that we own for, for the US economy in total. But in the long run, I personally feel that the US has the tools and structure to continue to be a very versatile economy and country. And when it comes to the individual companies that we've invested in, I feel have long-term runways ahead of them to continuously compound their earnings into the foreseeable future. So that was a really good answer. And I'm actually going to toss this one over to Dan. So Dan, obviously we know Nathaniel is um, been doing this for a long time and he also has a very distinct personality that he can handle the uh, avoiding the noise. And he also reads quite a bit. So he's very well informed about the markets and different, you know, different things. So, but what about the, our listeners who aren't as involved in the markets or, um, and all of a sudden now it seems like they should really start understanding the markets because things have precipitously fallen. So how, how can our listeners avoid the noise or sift through the noise or at least get reassurance that they're okay from a planning perspective? Well, I think, Matt, I think Nathaniel is one of a kind. And so it's, it's a lot easier for, for him to, um, I think, remain disciplined. I also think his background, his, his training um, in, in the military, his personality allow him to do that. I don't think that that's very common for most people to do that, to avoid that noise, especially when incentives drive it in front of your face over and over and over again, and they cause emotional reactions. So um, I think to some extent, at least I think to some extent, you have to, you have to be cognizant of the fact that it's going to impact you to some degree, whether you like it or not. And then I think it becomes upon you to really talk about it. So you may not be able to actually stop it or help it from, from making you feel a particular way, but that's where I think professionals like ourselves, if we're talking about uh, finances, come into a, a realm where you don't feel bad about picking up the phone and calling, calling somebody that uh, has some of those skill sets like Nathaniel has, where they're, they're just, they have the experience and the discipline when it comes to a particular area where maybe you don't. And I think it's important then to, to make that phone call, to have that conversation, and then to also be open and not get stuck in a particular mindset of, well, this noise is what it is. No, there, there's always other ways to look at something you always have different options, maybe no good options, but there's always different ways to look at there's always different options. It's, it's just good to actually then flush it out. Yeah, which I would agree with you. And the, I would add on to your comments and Nathaniel's really that um, 
it's for a, from a financial planning perspective, and we talk about this probably just for people who listen to us constantly like, wow, you guys are a broken record. Um, but it really is about positioning. I think financial planning, as Nathaniel was mentioning, is that during the good times, you know, don't spend all your money because all the money's flowing in. You know, make sure you, ca- you, you allocate that capital appropriately. Still save for an emergency fund, even though it looks like there's going to be no emergency. Still continue to save for that goal, even though you think you can cash flow it. You know, um, still continue to put in constant contributions. Again, kind of using the analogy to exercise is you just have to be disciplined and approach it on a consistent basis over and over again during the good and the bad. And if you can position yourself in that way, then when the bad does come, you're going to be very thankful that you put all that work in prior to it. And then when things get good again, then you're going to be in a really good position as well. So it's continuing to position yourself for events that are unknown. And if you can do that, that'd be great. And I do think going back to the self-reflection of understanding where you feel like your dollar is going to give you the the most joy, the best utility um, is so important. And if you can boil it down, and I think this is a good time to do it, then you can start being even more deliberate and more precise on how you're spending that dollar, um, which will also provide a better return on investment, both from a dollar perspective and from a qualitative perspective. But guys, this kind of this wraps us up for um, this episode. So, who wants to start us off with uh, telling about you know what you learned from our episode today? All right, no one said anything, so I guess I will go first. I think my overall thoughts on today's uh, podcast was is really kind of just boiling it down to positioning from a financial planning perspective, as well as being disciplined and being consistent within that discipline. Um, if, I think if you can do that and you can, and you can do it well, I don't think that times when times are bad, they're not going to feel as bad. And when times are good, you can enjoy the good. Um, and it, it does, but the, the hard part with that is it's very easy to say it's very hard to implement over the long run because it can get monotonous. It can get boring. It can feel like you in the good times, you're not doing enough to take advantage of returns which then I would, I would argue that you have to then fall back onto what do you want and what does it really mean? Do you have to shoot the lights out in the market or do you just need to make a certain return? Do you have to have that new boat or could you just go and rent one when you want to go with your family? Understanding what really matters to you and then being disciplined and consistent with that can really, really help, um, especially in times like this. Who's next? You guys jump in. Talk about how being um how processes are really important to reflect on and we've talked about how it's important to figure out priorities and how to plan for those appropriately the two things that i think need to be mentioned is that this is also a great time to think about what you're really good at and what you're not and and figuring out how you get help with what you're what you're not good at and figuring out how to really optimize and focus on what you are good at it's also a great time to sit back and be grateful for what you do have there's not a lot of great things I learned from my father, but one of the few pieces of advice that he gave that actually stuck with me was that there's always someone that has it worse than you. And I think that that's very true when we look around the world today. And there's a lot of things to sit back on and be grateful um, for, primarily from a health standpoint. But there's a lot of other things I think that, that come to my mind as well to be grateful for. Very good point. Very good point. Fanny? I would just piggyback off of what Tim said and what Dan also said is that 
not only in times like these, but, but all times, at all times, remain disciplined in your process. Be rational. It is especially during times like these that rationality is most critical. Not just in investing, but in everything you do. Just common sense. I, I get this a lot where people are alarmed at how, how even I can be. I mean, I have my fits of, of anger every once in a while. I'm human. But now is the time to remain even keeled. Humans are, in my opinion, are innately wired to be active, to be constantly moving, to not just in terms of, uh, not just physically, but, but also mentally. It can be very hard for a person to sit on their butt and do nothing. And I would argue that most people are not, are not wired to be long-term investors because of that, that innate wiring that most humans have. Dang, guys. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for listening to a couple guys talk about things they love, and we hope to see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.